Avengers, it's Age of Ultron. It's garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. <laughs> What is up, everyone? Welcome to Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standing Live, where each week we give you the deepest possible dives on all the goings-on in the MCU, Marvel Comics, and beyond. But you know that because we have just been through nine episodes of She-Hulk together, Werewolf by Night, plus God knows what else. I am your host, Mike Cicchini, the editor-in-chief at DennyGeek.com. And with me for all time and always, I've got Denny Geek TV editor Alec Bajalid and Denny Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard. And it's finally here, folks. The She-Hulk finale bringing with it vindication for Alec, <laughs> satisfaction of sorts for myself, and uh, I don't know, maybe Kirsty wasn't praying for death this week. So uh, <laughs> anyway, why don't we just get this started? Kirsty, tell everybody what went down. It's going to be another long one, so strap in. In the finale of Marvel's She-Hulk, Jen is barred from practicing law and fitted with an inhibitor after hulking out at the gala in last week's show. So Nikki and Pug infiltrate at Intelligentsia and they find out that Todd is behind the quest to humiliate Jen and acquire her blood. However, when Jen arrives at Emile's retreat to find Todd and his internet trolls celebrating their victory, things start to get messy. Hulk arrives suddenly from Sakaar, Titania smashes onto the scene for reasons, an abomination, and Hulk start fighting. Jen has had enough. She breaks through the fourth wall and into production on the show, where she has a strong word with the writer's room and demands to see Kevin Feige, who turns out to be an AI working hard on the MCU algorithm and formula. A meta conversation ensues and Jen convinces Kevin to redo the finale with less spectacle and more legal justice. Daredevil also returns and has a lovely family bar barbecue with Jen. And in a post credit scene, Wong nabs Emil from prison where he has returned after violating his parole. It was an eventful episode and it was also... A damn good episode. At least, at least I think so. Most of my Twitter feed seems to think so. Very curious to see what the folks here in the chat think. Kirsty, why don't we start with you? Because you Why? had you had the hardest time with She-Hulk out of the <laughs> gate. And uh, I gotta back you up. You weren't you weren't wrong to. I was never quite as hard on this show as you were. Um Although, well, a couple episodes really did rub me the wrong way. But for the most part, I think, uh, I think you, you were kind of the show's harshest critic. So I want to know if, if, this, if this finale set things right for you. First of all, I don't feel like I was the show's harshest critic in the world. No, no, just here, just here. It's <laughs> room, 100%. Um, I did not get on with this show at all. There were things that I, I felt like it had the building blocks of something really good but it wasn't for me leaning hard enough into uh, the possibility of what it could be and we know what happens when somebody goes for the meta thing and She-Hulk was just pulling back on that just way too much for me to really get involved with it and then the sitcom element of it the legal sitcom didn't 
wasn't quite working for me either. Um, so I, yeah, I did struggle with it. However, these last two episodes have been really entertaining. So has it saved the whole show? I don't think so, but I've certainly enjoyed these two. And as we've talked about in the past, you know, a lot of our favorite sitcoms, the first seasons are objectively not great. And it takes a while for them to find the pace of the jokes and to get their callbacks and their, you know, their running gags um, up, up and running, as it were. And, you know, finding that formula that works for them. And towards the end here, it has felt like they are getting there. So um, a good episode, um, but I'm not sure, like, overall it's worked for me. You know, I don't, it's not all is forgiven or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Alec, I'm going to give you a chance to say I told you so. Yeah, Andrew, I'm going to need you to find uh, Dashboard's Confessionals Vindicated and then just no. play it at full blast throughout no, everything oh I'm God, saying. No. You can take the, I'll pay for the rights out of my paycheck. I, uh, I was vindicated. I like this finale a lot because it doesn't necessarily have to vindicate the series i don't think because for the most i mean like for the most part this has been what you expect out of a half hour sitcom a half hour legal sitcom some episodes are pretty funny some episodes drag a little bit some are perfectly average and you just kind of have it on in the background as you go along your day so i don't think it was necessarily the show needed to be vindicated in that sense in like a quality sense um but i do feel like the She-Hulk writer's room kind of, if not vindicated itself, like really made it, it its own case for the show at the end here. I have no way of knowing if like the meta tangent they go on with uh, Robot Kevin uh, is indicative of anything that actually happened behind the scenes with this show. Like if they actually had conversations uh, with Marvel higher-ups of like, no, we'd like it to be more of like a... Uh, just kind of a weekly sitcom, just like half hour, no frills. Let's bring in the jokes, break a fourth wall here. And then the Marvel higher ups are like, well, no, we need some more lore in here. Uh, like it to resemble some of the other shows more. I don't know if that's an actual thing that happened behind the scenes, but the way this episode ends, it makes me feel like the writer's room was arguing with somebody, even if it was just like among themselves and they won out in the end. And by the end of this first season, the show was what they want it to be. So I'm happy for them, I'm happy for the show, and I'm happy for us. Well, it's funny you should say that, Alec, because in the interviews before She-Hulk got started, the writers were saying that they were arguing with Kevin Feige quite a lot and that he had perhaps told them to rein in on the meta stuff, that it was they were doing too much. Having seen this finale... I don't know if that was a joke or that really happened, but the fact that some of the footage we see in this finale is some of the first footage we ever saw of She-Hulk kind of tells me that they had planned this finale to go this way for a while, you know, for her to go behind the scenes and for it to get this meta. So I don't know whether they were playing the long game here with uh, an in-joke, but uh, I'll, I'm questioning my insanity on it, really. I, I need to know the truth. It's to the show's credit that it makes you it makes you think for even a moment that like Kevin Feige 
could possibly ever lose an argument at Marvel. You know what I mean? Because like, there's just no way. Like, whatever, whatever got itself to screen did so with his blessing. Um, but in the moment, you're like, oh no, are they going to get in trouble with Kevin? Like, it's it's to their credit that I feel like they kind of pull that sense of subver- subversiveness off. Yeah, and subversive is the right is the right word, and it's and it's where I've been waiting for the meta humor in this show to go pretty much from the jump. I mean, because one of the most famous She-Hulk covers of all time is, you know, the sensational She-Hulk number one by John Byrne from 1987 or 1988. And it's, you know, Jen on the cover, um, you know, holding up up a copy of her original comic, the Savage She-Hulk number one, which did not sell and was not a long lasting or beloved book. And it's her holding that up and saying, look, if you don't buy my book this time, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to rip up all your X-Men. That wasn't something that was done. Like the idea that Marvel Comics was taking a shot at what was at the time, far and away, their best-selling, most critically acclaimed book, you know, at, at the height of its, at the height of its like critical popularity for sure. Like that was a big deal. And I felt that much of the humor in She-Hulk throughout the season was a little toothless, to be honest. Um, you know, the, the jokes were not connecting for me in general. You know, I do love that they were sending up, you know, the usual internet idiots who are upset about anything that does not center, you know, straight white men. Uh, like, that was always great, but, like, there was never enough they weren't digging the knife in deep enough on anything like mm. not on the superhero genre, not on the idiots that they wanted to target the jokes in this episode, aside from being genuinely funny, like I laughed multiple times in this episode and last week, but the jokes had teeth. I mean, the Kevin stuff, this is the first time that the almighty wisdom of Marvel studios has been questioned on screen by a Disney product like that reminded me of what Looney Tunes used to do back in the day, you know, with Warner Brothers stuff, or even no joke, folks, Tiny Toon Adventures in in the late '80s and early '90s would like brutally lampoon other Warner Brothers stuff and studio execs and things like that, and there was some of that happening here, and I really, really dug it. So big win all around. Uh, and just to bring this back to something we discussed a few weeks ago when we were talking about shows our moms liked, the way they went into the writer's room and the way that they went after not just the producers, but the producer was very reminiscent of Moonlighting back in the 80s. Um, and I think Moonlighting in a lot of ways kind of should have been the blueprint for this like this show uh, and and they really nailed it here. And it's been a long time since I've seen a major property take swings like this. And I'm so happy they did. And I'm so happy it worked. And it really changed my perspective on most of the season. I say the the Simpsons often needles Fox quite a lot. Yes, over the years too. So that's true. But I haven't watched I haven't watched an episode of The Simpsons in about 20 years because watching The Simpsons is kind of like akin to watching a loved one die slowly of some like, you know, horrible disease. Like that's been like the decline in in the quality of humor on, on The Simpsons. I do hope that they are uh, that they're giving 
that they're giving the Murdoch family exactly what they deserve. I don't watch The Simpsons either, but I edit our Simpsons reviews. And in one of the most recent episodes, uh, there's a newspaper with a headline of like, Disney unacquires Fox, recognizes huge mistake. All right, I'll take it. But yeah, like where are my Tiny Toons fans at? Like those, those, those Tiny Toons and Animaniacs were just like. I was going to say, I can do Animaniacs. I remember that. Yeah. New seasons of Animaniacs are pretty good for that too. Anyway, this is, this is becoming a tangent. I apologize. The fact that the fourth wall break was an actual physical thing that took place was spectacular and i see flaccid house here says i genuinely genuinely thought i'd sat on the remote during that scene and i kind of blinked as well because i i tend to watch these shows for work which means i'm watching them first thing in the morning uh you know before my caffeine has fully kicked in and and i was like oh man these these apps are so glitchy all the time like (laughs) And it took me a second. So uh, did anybody else have that reaction? Oh, yeah. It, it happened so quickly that I think I just started going with it. For yeah. some reason, the, the part that I was so taken by was the fact that to get to like Avengers Campus or whatever, to get to Marvel Studios, you have to access the um, Marvel Assembled. Uh, the NDA uh, in the Marvel <laughs> Studios lobby. Let me tell you, folks, like for anybody in media... Like the folks on this show and anybody in media who may be watching the NDAs that we get with our Marvel screeners, <laughs> like <laughs> that was not all that far off from reality. Uh, <laughs> and you no, usually have not- the guards called on you. <laughs> it's like when watching this screener, you must make sure no other reflective surfaces are around in which other people might accidentally catch a glimpse of the episode, you know, <laughs> reflected in a shiny surface uh, under penalty of death. That's um, all for not because I think this one leaked. Really? What did? Yeah, I saw on Twitter last night that it leaked, and oh. I read like the first uh, scene of it, and I didn't read beyond that. But the, the first scene was totally right. Like anytime something like that happens, it's obviously an inside job. It's not like you know, like the Black Adam premiere was in New York City last night, and of course everybody immediately went online and spoiled the post credit scene. But at least you understand like how something like that happens. Like nobody's going to keep their mouth shut there. But like when an actual episode leaks. There's only a few options there. You know what I mean? Like, like you got to be, I don't know. Anyway, getting us in the weeds. I apologize. I don't know where else we can go in this episode aside from the weeds. That's a very good point. So let's stay in the weeds, folks, because Kevin is one of the most amazing <laughs> television visuals of the year. And Kirsty, you caught a particular detail about that that I didn't even notice at first. Oh yeah, because the design on the the top is it's like the baseball cap. <laughs> <by US. laughs> uh, really tickled me. I love it, and I know that Alec is a big fan of the uh, the baseball cap espionage. That I feel <laughs> like has always been a nod to Feige, but this is just it's very you know it's not a, a subtext. Like oh it's my right. god, I have um sorry i have important breaking uh baseball cap news uh um, because oh i was watch so i was watching atlanta season four of atlanta and um at one point uh one of the characters paperboy puts on a nondescript hat so he's not recognized somewhere and somebody's he's like oh it's you paperboy and he's like how did you know and he's like nobody just wears hats with nothing on them <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I know you're a celebrity if you just throw on a hat that doesn't have any graphic design on it. Every single shot they could have taken it themselves, I think they did pretty effectively here. Um, I guess the only thing that, you know, is untrue is that they actually, like, you know, listened to a creative in this case. But uh, that, again, we shall leave that deba debate up to the internet. You mentioned earlier in, like, that, that Hallmark uh, She-Hole comic that she references the X-Men. Like, you read this or, you know, I'll take away your X-Men comics. She mentioned X-Men again here. We we asked Kevin, what about the X-Men? And then obviously Kevin can't, cannot answer that, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is exactly the kind of answer that you actually get from Kevin Feige in interviews anyway. Yes. Yeah. I'm stealing one of Kirsty's jokes here. I, I apologize. Is if, if Kevin was actually, if there was like a magic eight ball that was giving like vague answers, like that would have... <laughs> It's like Magic 8 Ball or like a fortune cookie, you know, it really doesn't, it's an answer that comes out and it just doesn't mean anything. It's just full media training. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky if you get any, any kind of quote out of them. Answer unclear. Ask again later. You know, um, <laughs> Lee just reminded me about the, uh, about the VFX workers comment too. And like, like just like everything they, and by doing this, they take some of that edge out of it. They let the air out of that balloon just a little bit, like just enough, you know, and that's tough to do and respect. You still got to treat your VFX workers better though. On that note, is it my imagination or did She-Hulk actually look great in this episode? She did look know. great, but if we, if we assume that this is some of the first footage they put together as some of the first footage we saw, it should look better, right? <laughs> if this, this was the stuff that was up front. In terms of the VFX joke, that's actually one of the only ones that didn't work for me because I just felt like they were making fun of the situation. It's like, I bet the people that worked themselves to the bone on this stuff don't find it as amusing <laughs> as you. Like you know fair enough but you know it does it does take stones to even bring that up given the firestorm that was just ignited a few weeks ago you know stones yes but like debatably good stones or bad stones oh all right yeah i leave that debate <laughs> up to the internet i will say you know i'll usually watch this show with um in every show with closed captioning on um closed captioning spoiled the joke i don't know if you guys knew this but when um, when She Hulk asks to see Kevin, the writers when the writers respond, it says K dot E dot and and the closing credits spoil Wong's upcoming appearance in like five seconds. So yeah, there's just spoilers all over this episode. Look, we got to find something to criticize in this in this otherwise terrific thirty minutes of TV. Last week was fantastic. This week was excellent. This is exactly the show that I hoped we were getting from the minute it was announced, from the minute we saw the first trailer, they absolutely gave it to us. Even bringing Daredevil back here with the full acknowledgement that it was not for any actual storytelling reasons <laughs> was just, it's great. A woman has <laughs> needs, Mike. 
see Daredevil in the sunshine. I think that's nice. It was really nice to see them just being a couple there at the uh, the cookout, even though the whole thing gave me a Fast and Furious movie vibes. I don't know whether either of you guys have seen the Fast and Furious movies, but they basically all end up with a family cookout and <laughs> saying the word family a lot. And I don't know, it just reminded me of that bit, but in a good way. Her family was great in this episode too. Like the family, the family jokes all worked. I loved cousin Larry as her dad here. <laughs> like the stuff with the hose was fantastic. It's, it's terrific. It's leftover star, Mark Lynn Baker. He was in the leftovers. That's right. <laughs> Playing Mark Lynn Baker. Really? Yeah. That's so crazy. Well, he will always be cousin show? Larry <laughs> to people of a certain age. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I could just start talking about The Leftovers for another hour now. But yeah, <laughs> the joke is, is that all of the cast of Perfect Strangers departed, um, <laughs> but he only pretended to, and he became like an international fugitive because <laughs> he lied about uh, disappearing. I think I need to watch The Leftovers. <laughs> yeah, clearly, that's that's like the most intriguing thing I've heard about The Leftovers yet. Like... Like when the leftovers came out, I was like, you know what? Like I wasn't in a great place, like mentally or emotionally. Oh yeah, don't. And like when, I mean, <laughs> there, when am I right? But, but <laughs> like I never really am. But I was like, I don't know if I can handle this show right now. But now suddenly you make it sound like a, uh, you know. <laughs> Remember earlier in the day when I said, you know, if our guest pulls out we're going to have to just go off on a tangent just talk about good stuff we've watched recently that isn't anything to do with marvel and the prophecy is coming true because now we're on the leftovers talk a lot about see this is what i'm talking about this is why she hulk is good it makes you talk about you know good tv shows alec i'm on board with you now like i fought you i fought you in the early episodes of the season but you got me now um but our our brilliant producer, Andrew Halley, is reminding us that, like, the awesomeness in this episode came right out of the gate with the homage to the classic TV series open. And, folks, it is dead on. Like, it is dead on how perfect that is. Um my favorite part might be might be Mark Ruffalo's perm, uh, but like, <laughs> honestly, like exactly what this show would have looked like if the planned She-Hulk series had ever, you know, there was plans for a She-Hulk spinoff uh, in the late 80s, uh, f- you know, uh, from the Incredible Hulk TV series. This was amazing. Alec, do you... Is this even just like beyond you? You're way too young for this, right? Way too young. I, I mean, I'm aware of it through just general watching other stuff like it was i think it was on a talking point and i love the 80s or 70s maybe um i'm also from so i'm familiar with these so sad like david banner is always so sad and every episode ends with him just like walking off with sad piano music yes what's up code monkey as someone that has fond memories as a kid in the uk watching the incredible hulk with my family that was such a nostalgia trip and done perfectly yes Folks, what you have to understand is there was a time where the Incredible Hulk was one of the two most important characters in the entire Marvel library. In in the 70s and 80s, it was Spider-Man and the Hulk, and it was nobody else. Like, And then maybe Ben Grimm, the thing, was like a distant third. But these were the characters that Marvel was exploiting in merchandise, on television, in cartoons, like you name it. 
I remember having Hulk soap as a kid. I remember like begging my mom for a deck of Hulk playing cards at the supermarket. Like Hulk exploitation was a thing. And a lot of it was because this show was a sensation. It was a massive, massive hit. Like at a time when like being a hit on TV for comparison, like the amazing Spider-Man TV series, which I love, but was nowhere near as good as the Incredible Hulk. Like what was cancellation numbers for that show was like more than what like the Walking Dead and House of the Dragon pull every week right now. You know, so like when the Incredible Hulk was a big deal, it was a big deal. Today, it would be almost like a prestige TV high concept pitch. Um, For anybody who hasn't seen it, I think it's only streaming on Tubi right now, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, but unfortunately, they're owned by Fox. So, you know, make whatever more moral compromises you have to make. Watch the two-hour pilot movie and watch, like, the first actual episode of season one. And it's the kind of thing that, like, a cable exec would, like, walk into a room and be like, okay, we're, we're going to do something like a very serious grounded take on the incredible Hulk. And like, there's not going to be any like crazy monsters and it's going to be like the fugitive. And you know what? It's really good. It's really, really good. Uh, and Bill Bixby was amazing as like the saddest David Banner ever. Um, don't ask me why they couldn't call him Bruce on the show. I'm sure there's some weirdness there, but anyway, whatever. That is my incredible. Hulk I don't magic. know. Isn't it because they said that Bruce the, the name was too gay. I'm I'm I don't think I'm making this up, but I do not uh, do not come at me. Just don't just don't message me. But you know, I, that is I true. Did, I did hear that they the execs or whatever was like Bruce is too gay quote unquote a name, so that's why he, his name was changed to David. I believe. I mean, we're talking, you know, really problematic and bigoted sort of era for TV. So 45 years ago, you know, we've come a long way, folks. You would hope so. We've come a long way. Don't let the fascists turn the clock back. Make sure you vote in November, boys and girls and everybody else. I'm not messing around here. Anyway. Go watch the Incredible Hulk TV series. Seriously, ed- educate yourselves. It's so good. It's so good. If you don't like it, let me know. But um, it's really cool. And it's like a comfort watch for people of a certain age like myself. Uh, oh, Andrew was asking about the thing that the entire internet is talking about, which is the fact that Hulk has a son. Were you aware of Scar, Alec, before today? <laughs> no, he looks so funny to me. He looks so much like a son. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it other than just to say like he absolutely looks like someone who you'd pat on the shoulder like this is my son <laughs> you know on the internet where they say this is my large son, oh, yeah, my large 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 son. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Scar comes out of what was the World War Hulk comics event which is genuinely good I mean that was Elements of that, of course, made its way into Thor Ragnarok. And of course, we're back on Sakaar and blah, 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 blah. You know, why this kid appears to be, you know, 17 years old or whatever here is is a, is another debate. I just have to figure that the time jump had something to do with it between Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, and also, I'll, I'll let some, you know, theory of relativity, like uh, space travel stuff factor into it as well. But yeah, so Scar is now part of... Uh, is now a canonical part of the MCU, considering that they're assembling the Young Avengers slowly but surely across all of these shows. 
I have to wonder if um, maybe he'll take the place of Hulkling because Hulkling in the comics is a scroll. Maybe they're just going to kind of take a shortcut here with their, with their young Avengers assembly. I don't know. I would have liked a little bit more on this instead of it just being kind of like another gag they threw in there, but whatever. I was in such a good mood after this episode. I was like, great. Like they could have thrown anything at me there. I would have been fine with it. When she was uh, chatting with Kevin and he was saying like, we were going to introduce, and I was like, assumed, you know, Scar or whatever was the end of that sentence. And I was like, oh, amazing. They're just going to cut that out. They're not going to have it be about continuing the Hulk uh, MC who future or whatever. They're just going to just pass it right by. That's what a bold choice. And then at the end, he sort of walked in. This is my son's girls. <laughs> I almost was like, mm. I just think I would prefer if you hadn't done that. He looks really goofy. I don't know. You know, it did leak early on with She-Hulk that they were going to build towards World War Hulk with this show. And I got to confess, I did not believe it. Um, I dismissed like, you know, look, folks, you know, I'm very skeptical of a lot of the rumor mongering that goes on on the Internet. We try not to engage in too much of it at Then Geek. And I was pretty skeptical of those World War Hulk rumors. And I was wrong. Uh I was dead wrong. Uh, so, you know, the thing with World War Hulk, it's a great comic, by the way. Do seek it out. It's an awesome, awesome comic story. It's what leads into a, a terrific Hercules comic as well. Like, it's just really good stuff for the MCU in general. Um, but I wish they, I, I hope they don't go like full on, like jokey jokey with it. You know what I mean? Like, like I know that Marvel has their house style and everything, but like, it's a really cool, like fantasy epic, like Conan, the barbarian slash John Carter, but with Hulk in space. And I'd, I'd love to see them really lean into that rather than try and duplicate, you know, the Thor Ragnarok tone, for example. Just me though. I did suspect there would be World War Hulk because isn't Universal's tie or restriction or rights on the on making Hulk movies up in 2023? So mm-hmm. the timing works out as far as I know. This is maybe another situation where I'm absolutely talking out of my ass. And I know there have been nine or ten of them so far on this stream. <laughs> and I apologize profusely. No, Kirsty, see, I, I've seen this as you just like dropping knowledge on us. Like, <laughs> but sometimes know, it turns out to just be nonsense. No, don't don't undercut yourself. <laughs> as long as you add in that qualifier, just like, <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> so what do we think, folks? Season two, yay or nay? Like, do we want this? Like... I think it's time, but I'm going to start with you again, Kirsty, because again, you were the harshest critic. I mm. want to know, want to know if you're down for more, if you are not professionally obligated to watch the season. <laughs> well, if you'd asked me even three weeks ago, do I want a season two of She-Hulk? The answer would have been, please, no, please, uh, please don't do that. But um, these last two episodes have been really strong and I, you know what, why not? Why not? I'm, I'm ready to be hurt again, Mike. Alec, I know your answer, but I want you to articulate it because you are such an articulate, brilliant person. And because, folks, Alec is our TV editor at Denny Geek for a reason. Uh, you know, member of the Television Critics Association in good standing. Brilliant analysis on everything on the TV <laughs> landscape. You don't, ju- you don't just come to DennyGeek.com for his Marvel takes. Read everything Alec does, please. 
I would just um, like to know that I was not introduced in that way. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> well, I guess we'll ask Kirsty. They've probably got something negative to say. Anyway, Alec, <laughs> you beautiful man, you gorgeous specimen. Tell us, will you? Because you know why I'm doing this? <laughs> because because for nine weeks, Alec has had to sit here while I ramble about comics. And the guy is gonna quit if I don't if I don't build him up a little bit. I, I mean, look, my ego is almost uniquely fragile. Like that is, we all know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I, I'm excited for a season two, particularly. I mean, if I if I try and think of something uh, insightful or pretty to say, as you set up. I think it's telling that the name of this episode is whose show is this? And that works on, you know, quite a few levels because it's a question that Jen asks herself, basically asks herself during it. Um, but it also plays out in the end is almost like this behind the scenes struggle between art and commerce or, or what have you. Uh, and I think if not art, at least what the writers want to do is the one that, uh, one out and I think we're going to see whatever whatever it is that the writers want to do for season two I feel like they're going to be able to do it and I feel like it's going to be just a series of goofy half hour sitcom episodes that address legal issues within the Marvel universe and it's what I've always wanted and it's what we got for like more than half of the episodes this year and I think it's going to continue on season two yes to all of this like look I even when I was down on this show I wanted a second season because I wanted it to find its feet and become the show that we hoped that it would be. Um, I don't even care about a big overarching story, although it does really appear that like Hulk stuff is going to be a major focus of the MCU for a while, which I'm kind of down with because it lets them do some weird deep cut stuff, but I'm with you like more pug, please like more like legal shenanigans. Um, you know, and I don't even care. I don't even care if there's like a big connecting story in season two. Like, I think now that they've established the concept, now that they've been confident enough to really go meta with it, um, I think they can go just like full on, you know, procedural slash sitcom in season two. And it'll be great. You know, um, I understand why there were some, you know, why this season had to make some of the choices that it did now. So Whatever. Nice job. They, they made a fan out of me in the end. I'm glad to hear it. So, folks, uh, the Marvel standum schedule is going to be a little irregular the next few weeks, but we will be around. We might do a spooky episode, maybe, before Halloween. I don't know. Um, of course, we'll be back in time for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Keep an eye on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash denigeekus, and on all our social channels, because we will have some Marvel Standom supplemental episodes that you can watch and also listen to as podcasts. I've got some great interviews with the writers of the current Captain America comics, where we dive deep on both Sam Rogers, Sam Rogers, Sam Wilson, and Steve Rogers. We've got Zeb Wells coming up. We've got Cody Ziegler coming up. We've got Jed McKay talking about his brilliant, like best ever Moon Knight comics run and some Werewolf by Night stuff. So it'll be like little bits of Marvel standum here and there in the meantime. Make sure you are reading denegeek.com slash Marvel. 
Kirsten Howard, our very own Kirsten Howard, is our Marvel editor as well as our uh, Denny Geek News and Features editor. All the good stuff you're reading on Denny Geek uh, that's about the MCU and Marvel Comics and all this cool stuff, if you like it, Kirsty was in charge of it. If you don't like it, I probably made them do it. So uh, <laughs> I just feel like you're trying to make up for the fact that I was slighted yeah. by Alex's introduction now, and I'm just not buying it. I'm not all. buying Thank it. You. I'm in trouble, folks. This is it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm probably going to be down a news and features editor after this episode, <laughs> and uh, I'll be. Looking... <laughs> I look. I know when I'm in trouble. I've I've worked with Kirsty long enough to know when they're <laughs> mad at me. So. <laughs> Uh, but for real, I think that's it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for watching, sticking with us all through this. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram. We are Marvel Standom there. Uh, give those a follow. Tell us what you want to see in upcoming episodes. And you know what? If you have any ideas for themes for some kind of interim episodes we can do between now and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Secret Invasion and everything else coming up, we want to hear about it. Let us know. Don't forget, we also have a DC show. So check out DC Standing when you can on all major podcast platforms. And if you came in late to this episode, you'll be able to watch this entire episode on denofgeek.com or at our YouTube home. Once again, that is Den of Geek US. Yes, I know we are trying to change it. Uh, don't forget to check out past episodes there as well. And also wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to Andrew Halley, the best producer, the most patient producer, and just, yeah. Uh, and the most overworked producer, at least this week, for sure. Uh, thanks to Denny Geek Social Media Coordinator, Reed Parham, for keeping everyone in line in the comments. Make sure you are following us on TikTok, at Den of Geek TV. Lee does really great work over there, folks. Uh, special shout-out, Michael R. He makes the podcast version of this show all it can be. And most of all, thank you all for watching, listening, following, and subscribing. This has been Marvel Stand. I'm on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember, folks... We stand together.